The marketplace is empty, no more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silenced, no more time to harvest weeds. Busy housewives cease their labors, in the courtroom no debates. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gates. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming, praise God, he's coming for me. Happy faces line the hallways, those whose lives have been redeemed. Broken homes that he has mended, those from prison he has freed. Little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow. Who were crippled, broken, ruined, clad in garments white as snow. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming, praise God. Coming for me. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. The flurry of God's trumpet spells the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grandstands all in place. Heaven's choir has now assembled, start to sing amazing grace. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. Praise God, He's coming for me. Now, one more time on the course, y'all join me. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God. He's coming for me.
Thank you, Brother Vance. Appreciate that. You have once again prepared us uh, in worship and uh, prepared us to hear from God through His Word. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to open it up to Psalm 119. Michael, can I get you to do me a favor, son? Oh, I should have asked Miss Jewel. I'm sorry. You see those four light switches over there? If you'll turn down the first one on the right, that way we can see that screen a little bit better. On the nope. The four on the top. See the four switches on the right now. Right, there you go. That's it. Appreciate it, buddy. Psalm 119, verses 89 through 96. I was trying to make a funny earlier about how, uh, you know, the king didn't come yesterday. There was all this, uh, well, I don't know what you want to call them. Obviously, they're false prophets who believed that the end of the world was coming, the tribulation was starting, the rapture was happening, and and uh, I made a little joke that, thankful we're still here. Um, I don't mean to say that I'm not looking forward to the rapture, but I have a lot of lost friends and family members. And if the rapture happens to the, to, uh, tomorrow, they're left here. And so I'm thankful it hadn't happened. I'm ready to go, but I'm ready for them to get saved so they can go too. Um, so I hope he tarries until they get saved. But if he chooses not to, let it be so. And let him find us faithful all the while. In 2017, would it be safe to say uh, that we perhaps don't have quite the correct idea of what the word forever means? There is a story of a little girl who was in church with her mom and dad and she was obediently paying attention uh, to the sermon as it was being preached. And the sermon that morning was about everlasting life and how we will spend eternity or forever in hell or forever in heaven, depending on whether we have put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And after the service, in hopes of sparking a conversation with his young daughter about heaven and hell and salvation, the father asked his little girl, Sweetheart, how long do you think forever is? And she looked at her dad and said, Hopefully not as long as that sermon. <laughs> how long is forever? We live in a day where microwaves are in every home. Perhaps you remember when there was no microwave and if you wanted to thaw out meat, you had to take it out at the morning and had to wait all day for it to thaw out. Microwaves have made cooking so much faster. You can cook a potato in 10 minutes nowadays. We are in a hurry, if you will, in 2017. We have increased speed limits. You can now drive 75 on almost any highway, whether it's two lane or four lane. We are in a hurry. It reminds me of a line from one of my favorite movies. The world went out and got itself in a big hurry. We are in a rush. We want to do everything as quickly as possible. And so our expectation is that everything can be done as equally as quick as that potato in the microwave. In fact, you might say we are a microwave generation. We want to microwave spiritual growth. We want to microwave family time. We want a microwave marital relationship. We want it done in a hurry. With that being the case, our perspective of time has been greatly altered. And when we use the word forever in 2017, generally we use it to define something that takes longer than we think it should. Boy, that line took forever. Boy, that service took forever. But this is not how the Bible defines forever. In the Bible, 
the word forever is referred to as limitless time and unchanging character. This is the case for our generation that we don't understand forever. And that it not only has to do with limitless time, but also foundational security. If something is forever, then it means it does not and cannot change. It must always be the same. Otherwise, it cannot be forever. And so with that understanding, let's look at our scripture, Psalm 119, verses 89 through 96, with an eye both on forever in time, but also forever in character, in the nature of God. The Bible tells us many things about the attributes of God, but underlying all of those attributes of God is this. He is always the same. He is forever the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Let's read verses 89 through 96. And it starts off with that word. And this is the Lamed word for this section. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. Verse 96, I have seen the consummation of all perfection but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you would speak deeply into each and every one of us through your word this morning and change us from the inside out. Lord, your Holy Spirit is here. I pray, Lord, you would have great freedom to move in our lives, to speak to us, and that we would respond obediently. I pray for our invitation time right now, Lord, that those who are pricked in the Spirit by your word and your Holy Spirit, would respond in faithfulness. For you are a faithful God. It is in your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Forever, God's word is settled. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in in heaven. Meaning that it is well established. There is a foundation of it. And it will not be taken away. And that is the main theme of this octave of verses in Psalm 119. Verses 89 through 96 are headed by the Hebrew letter Lamed. Lamed. And this section is begun with the Hebrew word Luhlam, meaning long duration. But also in the Hebrew language, it is used to refer to eternity, everlasting, and permanence. Permanence, meaning not changing. The psalmist is making a very strong proclamation that God's word is permanent. God's word is forever. And it should go without being said that if God's word is forever, that it is unchanging, that God himself is forever and unchanging. So what we really want to look at this morning is the word and how it is forever, how it endures for all time. It endures all things. And God's word and and its impact that it has on our lives. Why is it important that God's Word is forever, that it endures? Well, because it endures, His creation endures. 
the psalmist states that God's word is settled in heaven. And a lot of commentaries believe that this reference, your word is settled in heaven, is a reference to the created heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. That's an easy connection to make given verse 90. You establish the earth and it abides, which seems again to be a reference to creation. And that's my first point. God's word being forever, being well established, means that his creation is forever. I'm constantly reminded, and we need to be reminded, that creation is a resounding reflection of the reality of God. When you look at the sun and the moon and the stars and nature all around us, it is a resounding reflection of the reality of God and God's permanent control and established hand on creation. We were told all week that this was going to happen or that was going to happen. Did you know a lot of that was based on the stars in the sky? There was some astronomical or astrological, I mean, uh, configuration called Virgo and the sun was in a certain spot, and the moon was in a certain spot, and Jupiter was in a certain spot. But creation does not dictate God's timeline. God dictates creation's timeline. And so as long as God's word says, endure creation then creation endures. Now, it may be hard for us to accept that because we see, well, this is going away or, or this creature it goes extinct or we're constantly being told that the earth is, is deteriorating and this and that. You may be saying, well, how can you say creation endures because God's word endures? Yes, there are some things that happen. There are some creatures that go extinct, but we need to understand that that's because of the impact of sin. When Sin entered the world, sin messed everything up. God's plan was never for this to go extinct or that to go extinct or for the uh, atmosphere or environment or, or, or any of that to, to be ruined. But what that is is the impact of sim, uh, sinful humanity on God's creation. We're ruining it, if you will. And, and, and I know the, the, the big motto nowadays is save the earth, but... And I'm all for being, a big, uh, for being a good steward of the earth and what God has given us on the earth. But listen, mankind, we cannot save the earth. We cannot preserve the earth. We cannot cause God's creation to endure. It is God that does this. And creation as a whole, yes, there may be some things that go extinct. Yes, there may be some problems with the, the world and, and the atmosphere and, and the oceans and all of this. But as a whole, creation endures and it will continue to endure because God's word continues to cause it to do, endure. He sustains it simply for his will and for his purposes because it is a reflection of the reality of God. The endurance of God's creation confirms the endurance of God's word. So while we can say, yes, let's be good stewards of the earth, we need to understand we by no means are going to save the earth. It is God that sustains the earth. It is God that sustains creation. Should we be good stewards? Yes. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I want to make sure you understand there's a fine line there. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us, this earth and the creation and all that is with us. But understand that we'll never sustain the earth. It is God that sustains it. It is God that holds creation together. And this is a reflection of the endurance of God's word. Why do we say that? Because at the very beginning, it was God's word that created all of this. He spoke it into being. The sun, the moon, the planets, the earth, all that we see was spoken. It came about. 
by God's word. It was created by God's word. Therefore, he is the only one that can sustain it. God's word being forever also, though, is a reflection of life. Not physical life, but spiritual life. And we see this reference in the book of Psalm. We need to understand, most of the time, when it talks about life, about saving life, or having an enduring life because of God, or because of God's word, it's not talking about physical life, it's not talking about prosperity here on earth, it is talking about spiritual life. It's talking about everlasting life. And we need to understand that because God's word endures, because God's word is forever, our life can be forever. Our life. The psalmist makes some familiar claims in these verses. He says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And that's a pretty regular reference, by the way, to trouble, right? Almost every week we see this reference to affliction or adversity or trouble in the psalmist's life. But his claim is that God's word saves him through that affliction. Surely I would have perished. But because God's word is eternal and it is the delight of the psalmist, it keeps him from perishing. That's the requirement, by the way. If I want my life to be eternal and not perish, I must find my delight in God's word. We've talked about this word delight and it means to find satisfaction, to find a good taste in God's word. The more we delight in the things of this world, the more we will be afflicted when the world lets us down. But when we find delight in God's word, we will find comfort and peace and endurance because we are finding our delight in that which endures, the word of God. We will find spiritual endurance in our life because of God's word. The psalmist endures because he delights in the word and not the world. God's word saves us from affliction, but only if we delight in it. Only if we find our good taste, our satisfaction in it. But when we find satisfaction in the world, we will find trouble. And then there's our regular mention of opposition, right? He says, the wicked wait for me to destroy me. They look to destroy him. But he considers God's testimonies. In other words, he makes it an important part of his thinking, of his thought, of his mind, of his life. And God's testimonies testify that God will overcome our enemies. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about opposition, about enemies, because that's what the psalmist seemed to be talking so much about. And in talking last week about our opposition, there is something I should have mentioned but didn't, and I think maybe it's because God wanted me to save it for perhaps this sermon. Opposition, while it seems like it is always around, and seems like we will deal with it from day to day in our lives, it will not last forever. It will not endure for all of time. I think the old saying was, is that this too shall pass. All of our opposition, all of that we face from the hands of the wicked or our enemy, it will pass away. The affliction we face in this life, the opposition we face in this life, none of this will truly last forever. But God's Word does. God's Word endures for all of time. And while opposition may be able to take our physical life, nothing can take our spiritual life. Because it endures if we have indeed considered, brought into our mind, into our life, the Word of God. 
It is secured. Our spiritual life is secured in the forever, the endurance, the forever nature of God and His Word. The psalmist claims in verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. God's Word gives life. And again, this is not talking about physical life. If I read God's Word, I'm not going to feel more enthused or uh, I'm not going to have better knees. <laughs> That's not what Scripture is saying. This is a promise of spiritual life. This is a promise of the Holy Spirit maybe pumping up us spiritually speaking. I will never forget your, pre your precepts. I will never forget God's Word, for by them you have given me life. Let me tell you, I am pumped up this morning because these two lovely people got up and said their memory verse. I want to tell you, from the moment you sent me that text message last week, I have been looking forward to this morning simply for that. Because I love when people make a big deal out of God's Word because God's Word is a big deal. And while everything else fades away, God's Word lasts forever and it endures. And if we will put it into our life, we will endure. And no affliction or, or opposition or anything else will be able to take life away from us. Man, the promise of God's Word is eternal. The look forward of God's Word, of this life that the psalmist mentioned, is a look forward to eternity, to heaven, to salvation, to what is after this life. Our spiritual life from God will endure for all of time. But what does it mean that God's Word is forever? When we say God's Word is forever, okay, we know, okay, it, it, there's no end to it. We understand it, or it's the same over and over. But specifically, what do we mean when we say God's Word is forever? Well, for one, is it withstands the test of time. It withstands the test of time. The written Word of God was written by a multitude of authors in a multitude of geographical locations over a span of a multitude of centuries, millennia even. And it has withstood the test of time even from the church. You know, the first century church was vastly different from the 2017 church. In the first century, we gathered in uh, uh, houses and we were greatly persecuted for proclaiming Christ. There was a great uh, heavy hand on the Christians in the first century. And we, we continue to see that until there was this broad acceptance of Christianity and the, the Roman uh, emperor uh, Constantine got saved and, and then things started changing. And then the, the, uh, the, the, the shift in the church went from uh, persecuted to acceptance in this high church, high liturgy, to where what happened was the church started persecuting people that didn't look like them. And, and then you, I mean, we've just seen vast changes through the church, and now we have here in 2017, and we've got hipster pastors in skinny jeans preaching uh, messages from a stool in, in their casual attire, right? So the church has changed through time, but God's Word has not. It has stood the test of time, and its message stands the test of time. And even when the church itself, get this, go look at church history, even when the church itself tried to silence the true message of the gospel, it made its way out. 
That's why we celebrate the Protestant Reformation. By the way, 500 years this coming October 31st, the Protestant Reformation. Praise the Lord for Martin Luther and what he did. Because that was what that really was, was God's word making its way and standing the test of time. If the written word of God endures the test of time, then we can know that those that He speaks to us, when His Holy Spirit speaks to us, we can know that it has endured the test of time. We, we can know that faithful and true message from God's Word in our life will, will stand that test of time. What I mean is, is that maybe I got saved 20 years ago, but God's Word that has stood the test of time, that He has now written on my heart, will stand that test of time as well. It doesn't, it doesn't expire. God's word in my heart, in my mind, in my life does not expire. There's no out of date on God's word in my life. God's word forever also means that it withstands the test of culture. It is not persuaded by cultural influences, whether by leaders, by men, women, money, pressure, power. None of these things influence God's Word. God's Word never changes in light of the constant change of culture. Have you noticed the ever-changing, ever-developing of things? Politics have changed. Opinions change. Viewpoints change. Religion changes. Not God, but religion, which is the act of mankind thinking they can reach God by their own works and powers and doings. That, that's religion. Man's ability to reach God. History, believe it or not, history, doesn't it change? Because we forget this detail or we omit this detail. I don't want to chase this rabbit trail of pulling down, uh, rabbit trail of pulling down statues, but you understand that this is just an influence of changing history. We want to ignore that part of history, so let's pull down some statues. That's culture changing. But God's Word doesn't change. It's not changed by culture. Oh, it wants to change God's Word. It wants to say that this is not a sin, or that is not a sin, or it's okay to do this or that. That's culture trying to change God's Word. But God's Word does not change. It's not influenced by men. Men are supposed to be influenced by it. Culture is supposed to be influenced by it. And so what you see is, in life you see these two great lines, right? You've got the straight and narrow of God's Word. And it stays constant. It stays the same. And you see culture kind of going this way. Mankind, the world, humanity, whatever you want to call it. Every once in a while something happens and it causes man to go back towards God's Word. But then we live a little bit longer and we start veering from the straight and narrow line of God's Word that stays the same. And maybe, again, culture is saying, come on, you don't want to think that God's Word. Come think with us. But culture doesn't change God's Word. And why that is such good news is because if culture doesn't change God's Word, then culture doesn't change God's Word in me. That may mean, though, I'm walking the straight and narrow and culture's going that way. And it's going to keep trying to grab me and yank me in its, in its position or in its track of, of what life should be like. But I've got to hold on to the anchor of God's Word. Culture doesn't change 
God's Word. It's supposed to change culture. Finally, its message remains the same, which is kind of what I've alluded to. Man cannot reach God on his own. This is the message of God's Word that remains the same. It's withstood the test of time. It's withstood the test of culture. Man cannot reach God on his own merit, his own works, his own attempts, because we are sinful. But God in His enduring patience with mankind will provide a way for a relationship with God to be made and atonement for their sins to be accomplished. Why? Because God loves humanity. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the people outside the walls that want nothing to do with Him. He loves them. God loves humanity. And if we will submit our lives over to Him in faith, then He will give us salvation and we will endure for all of eternity as well in heaven. But if we reject that message of salvation, then we will endure for all of eternity in hell. That's the enduring message of God's Word. He loves us and He has provided a way of salvation. And that message will never change. I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. A voice says, cry. And Isaiah said, what shall I cry, Lord? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass wither, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are like grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The enduring message that God loves us and provided a way is a message that endures for all of eternity. How long is forever? A really, really long time. No. Time actually has nothing to do with forever. Forever is contained in God and in His Word. It was spoken, God's Word was spoken before the dawn of creation. It has existed before all time and will continue to exist after this world is long burned up. His Word is the only thing that will last. And while we cannot truly fathom forever in our minds, we can taste forever in our spirits through our relationship with God. A relationship we can have when we confess that we are in sinners Indeed, in need, desperate need for God as our Lord and Savior. And so forever is no longer something takes longer than it should, than we think it should, but forever becomes an expected endurance with God. What I am looking forward to, my great hope, is forever in eternity in heaven with God, my Lord and my Savior. Is that a relationship you have with Him? This morning, a forever relationship that says, God, you are my Lord and my forever. And I am looking, to, to, uh, looking forward to that forever. We're going to have a time of response, a time of, interest, uh, a time of invitation this morning. And I want to invite you to come forward and, and respond to God in obedience based on how he is speaking to you. Have you got this forever hope in your heart that comes not from culture, it comes not from the influence of man, but it comes from God's Word, that hope of forever. If not, and I want to encourage you to respond in obedience to God during this invitation, or maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer. We want to invite you. This is a great time to pray. While the iron is hot in your heart, pray in response to God's Word.
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to apply it to our lives. Father, I pray again now for this time of invitation, Lord, that we would each respond in humility, respond to the reality of what our relationship with you is really like. If we are saved, we know it. We're not saved, we know it. Let's not go another day. I mean, who knows? You may come back in just a moment. We don't have a promise of another breath. Father, I pray just for the lost that might be here this morning, that you may be speaking to at this very moment. Would you just get us out of the way so that they can hear clearly from you, your word and your Holy Spirit. So grateful, Lord, for you. It's your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.